Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? You're listening to Bloody Mary's Queer Horror Podcast. This episode, we're doing The Exorcist. I'm the girl who interrupts your party in her nighty to tell you that you're all going to die up there. <laughs> then pisses on the carpet. Sean. I know her. <laughs> My pronouns are they, them. And I'm going to get you in the end. Alex. <laughs> <laughs> also they, them. So, um, spoil or trigger warnings for this, um... Sexual violence, uh, medical grossness, mm-hmm. lots of detailed medical revolting things. Um, M- misuse of crucifix. Oh, yes. Crucify. Uh, crucify. crucify. <laughs> <laughs> misuse of mother's faces. <laughs> uh, <laughs> misuses of language. Oh, absolutely. Foul, foul little mouth, that cunting daughter. <laughs> um, and uh, spoilers, spoilers. Of you course. should have seen it by now, so that's not. Yeah, nice. it's been a while. Mm. <laughs> so the Exorcist. Go on. Yeah, might as well. Mm. Um, it's a 1973 American supernatural horror film directed by William Friedkin and written for the screen by William Peter Blatley based on his 1971 novel of the same name. Mm. Um, William Friedkin also directed that weird 1980s... <laughs> William uh, Friedkin Weekend. Uh, uh, get your f- freaking on. Um, uh, uh also directed that weird uh, gay thriller, Cruising. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Mm, don't think so. Um, and also another gay movie called The Boys in the Band. Um, That's pretty gay. But he's not gay himself. He's actually quite quite a Christian. Um, but sounds like an ally. I can't really tell. There's quite conflicting information about him. Yeah. Anyway. Sounds gay to me. Sounds pretty gay. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, The Exorcist was released in only 24 cinemas in the United States and Canada in late December 1973. Um, despite initial mixed critical reviews, people went wild for it, waiting in long lines in, win- in the winter to watch it, sometimes uh, twice or thrice. Um, thrice. Even thrice? Maybe. <laughs> Four. <laughs> <laughs> um, and audience reactions were wild, um, including fainting and vomiting. Um, there was a heart attack as well. And also apparently a miscarriage, which is quite shocking. Um oh. Uh, interestingly, it was uh, mainly the scene of the realistic kind of cerebral angiography that caused a lot of it, um, but also the later violent uh, crucifix wank was mm. the, the, the second shocker. That'll do it every time. Um, so a lot of cinemas arranged ambulances to be outside screenings. Um, also, some of them had like branded sick bags just for the, <laughs> like the event. <laughs> uh, imagine I want one. Uh, I want one. Yeah. <laughs> Full of sick. I wonder if that's... 70 sick. I... <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's like an urban legend or if they exist somewhere. Yeah, it was hard to tell. Um, but yeah, apparently it was real. Um, a reviewer for Cinefastique, 
fantastique. Sorry. Um, said that there was so much vomit in the bathroom at the showing he attended that it was impossible to reach the sinks. Um, <laughs> I realised it was different times, but how weak were people's constitution? Well, I think they've just never seen anything like it. Like, if, yeah, if you've just been kind of like watching mild nonsense. I, th- I think re-watching it, if we hadn't seen it for like maybe five or six years... It's alarming that the use of the word cunt is probably the most alarming thing about it, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but maybe that's just, maybe that's just me. Um, also in shocked audience member news, uh, a, a guy who saw the movie um, fainted and broke his jaw on the seat in front of him, and he sued Warner Brothers, and filmmakers are claiming that it was a use of subliminal imagery in the film that caused him to pass out, and the studio settled out of court. And I, you know what I was thinking of was you when you get a fright and you dislocate things. Oh yeah. Maybe, maybe where there's I a blame, have... there's a claim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just for context, uh, sometimes when I have quite weak bones <laughs> joints. and joints. A weak constitution. And a weak constitution. <laughs> yeah, I don't bomb everywhere. I just, <laughs> I just deconstruct <laughs> bonally. Bonally. <laughs> Yeah, we were once. It was twice I've dislocated my shoulder watching a horror film from getting such a big, uh, (laughs) violent fright. (laughs) What once was in a cinema, and I thought I was going to pass out and shit myself. (laughs) And the film hadn't even started, it was during the trailer. For Beauty and the Beast. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So uh, that's Sean's uh, constitution, and or lack thereof. Apparently, many children were allowed to see the film, um, leading to charges that the MPAA ratings board had accommodated Warner Brothers by giving the film an R rating, which I didn't realise means that children under 17 are allowed to go as long as they've got a parent with them. Mm. Um, I don't think we ever had that here. Like, I don't think you were allowed to go to film like if your parent was with you. I think uh, 13. Yeah, but not like that, a 15 or like an 18. No. Um, anyway. Um, I remember I saw, when I was about... 11 I saw an 18 in Greece at the cinema oh. um, I, can you, do you remember Face Off was that an 18 I'm pretty sure it was oh wow um, um, the uh, yeah I and they didn't back night I went in with my cousin who was old enough yeah like action films and if they're already that scandalous are they I don't know lots of people dying but it seems like comedy for some reason yeah I mean, um, it wasn't a I, it's not a film that stuck with me one way or the other. No, it's the one where they swap faces, isn't it? Yeah. So that's why it's called Face Off. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so anyway, several cities like um, banned it to stop children seeing it, essentially. Um, and uh, yeah, everyone thought it should have been X-rated and it was just a way of them getting more people in, which obviously it was. The Exorcist wasn't released until um, March 14th, 1974, um, for a screening in London. And uh, the film was protested against um, around the UK by a nationwide festival of light. Um, A Christian public action group concerned with uh, the influence of media on society, especially on the young. Um, these processes involve members of local clergy and concerned citizens handing out leaflets to those in the queue to see the film, offering them spiritual support afterwards for those who asked for it. Um, it's I read something ages ago that like 
before this film, people didn't really know about exorcisms or like that like exorcist wasn't really in the like public consciousness, the idea yeah, of exorcisms and stuff. That's, I think I had that thought. It didn't come up when I was researching, but that rings a bell. And it's funny because yeah, in the film, like even like somebody says <laughs> and, and the priest says, um, like when she says, "What could, what would I do if I went next to the movie?" Like, go back to the seventeenth century. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, they tried to get it banned here, but it didn't work then. Um, anyway, um, and then it was released uh, on VHS in 1981. It seems there's such a huge gap between it being in the cinema. It's like, well, like. Yeah, a million years. I guess that used to be the way that you used to wait for like a million years to come out on VHS. Yeah, um, that still seems like a very long time though. I yeah. thought it was just like a couple of years. Yes. I mean, obviously, I also wasn't alive in the seventies. So no, you I weren't. Were you? So yeah. shut your mouth. Well, I wasn't either. No, so you <laughs> so it's the end of the podcast. <laughs> um, so um, apparently, the, the director of the uh, British Board of Film Classifications. Um, what was his name? I thought I had it here, but apparently he was like an, an asshole about like everything being banned and cancelled. Um, and um, it wasn't until his death that things got like better essentially. But um, anyway, um, so he decided that giving it an eighteen wouldn't stop uh, kids tracking it down because it was so no- notorious that they would just find a way of watching it, and so that it should be like unreleased. Um, and so they withdrew all the copies um, of it. Um, and then it just remained out of circulation until 1999, mm. which is when I saw it, I think. Um, but yeah, it was banned for the whole time I was growing up. Um, uh, I think that's probably when I saw it as well. Um, I saw it at a sleepover oh. with friends. That seems so funny, like watching it back. Like, it, the sort of, like, it seems so like adult in terms of the tone and the sort of like pacing. Well, and I I seem to think we enjoyed it, but we thought it was a bit slow. Um, because <laughs> as young uh, film yeah. connoisseurs, <laughs> um, and we were also disappointed because it it was it was a semi censored version, so we didn't see this the bit where she's a spider crawling backwards oh, yeah, down yeah, the stairs. Yeah. Um, and some of the bits were trimmed a little bit. Like, I don't think she shoved her mum's face in a minge, uh, for example. Um, Spoiler! I'm sorry. No, 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 um, when, when did you first see it? I don't have a strong recollection of seeing it the first time. I, like, but, yeah, I must have seen it soon after it came out because I was such a horror nerd. I think we were very hyped to see it because we heard so much about it. And I think we were left a little bit like, oh, okay, I, that wasn't as bad as we were expecting it to be. Yeah. We weren't um, scared by it. Yeah, it was... Well, we'll get into this maybe later. But yeah, I think the the feeling I had after watching it this time was very different from the, like, the last time I watched it. It must have been like 10 years ago or something. Anyway. Um, so, yes, back to the facts. Um, the cultural conversations around the film, which including its treatment of Catholicism, um, helped to become the first horror film to be nominated for an a, a Academy Award for Best Picture. Um, one of ten Academy Awards for which it was nominated, uh, winning Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Sound. Best Sound, weird. Um, <laughs> um, and it was the highest. I mean, I guess if you, think, if you think one of the main characters is almost entirely dubbed, mm. 
that seems lip syncing for a life li- yes uh, down boots mama yeah those people loved it basically i don't know why i wrote all the names out um one of the things that really made me laugh though did you write a list that... of everyone who loved it yeah <laughs> well just people who said it's like oh it's so critically acclaimed and so brilliant um and culturally historically or aesthetically significant um but uh yeah, directors like Stanley Kubrick love it and all those sort of big boys. Um, but my favourite person who says it's in their top five films was Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you for that. Um, so, as you may have heard, it's considered a cursed film. Um, I think we've recommended it before, but if you haven't seen the cursed movie series on Shudder, it's very worth a watch, very good. Um, oh, God. But be not the for last a very episode. harrowing episode about the Twilight Zone. Film. Yeah, that is the worst. Oh. I'm still haunted by that. I think yeah, that quite it's a lot. Awful. Um, anyway, so um, the production itself is riddled with problems from the start. Um, uh, the set that they used, the home, uh, burnt down um, when a bird flew into a circuit box, and then <laughs> um, weirdly, the only part that it's remained. Camp. Yeah, <laughs> the only burb. Fiery burb. Um, <laughs> so the only remaining untouched flame, uh, oh, sorry, the only bit that was left untouched by flames was the room, like her room that was filmed for the actual exorcism. Um, also lots of deaths. Uh, actors Jack McGarren and Vasiliki Marios. Oh, yeah. Um, they both, they, their characters both die in the movie and they both die away. They both die away. Um, they both died shortly after the filming finished. Which characters those? Yes. I don't know. Uh, um, uh, Linda Blair and uh, Max von Sydow. Also, don't know who Max von Sydow is. Um, lost family members during the shoot. Um, lots of uh, near misses with injuries and sort of general kind of awfulness. Ouchies. Um, uh, apparently in Rome, uh, fans were forced to travel to... This is something I hadn't heard. I don't think it was included in the, the documentary. Um, fans were forced to travel to the cinema in torrential downpour. As the film began, lightning reportedly struck the church opposite the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was fun. Um, so there's other bits as well, but that's just some bits. That, there's loads more. Um so some random facts I didn't know, which I'm going to share with you. Are you going to say about the serial killer? No, actually. That is an interesting fact, but I couldn't figure out who he was. So I think that's mentioned in the cursed thing as well. So it is. a very brief flash of a character, and we couldn't figure out if it was the guy who has a bit of dialogue or not. But mm. it's a guy who works in the hospital when Reagan's having various medical Probes. tests at the beginning. Um, and he went on to be a serial killer. Yeah. Um, is... I'm sure that's quite rare. Well... That we know of. Ooh. The only out serial killer. Ah! <laughs> out out. Um, so, um, so, yes, yeah, so the film's a huge success. Um, actually, ended uh, was the end of uh, Black Exploitation Cinema, which is uh, quite interesting. Um, and it's because uh, they didn't show it, they weren't screening it in black neighborhoods specifically because they didn't think black people would be interested for some reason. Um, so black audiences went out of their way to the mostly white neighborhoods to watch it. Um, and uh, passing up movies with black cast, that, that was what they were sort of given, essentially. Um, and so when the studio saw this, they decided that if a black audience weren't going to support black exploitation anymore over generally popular films, that there was just no reason to make them anymore. 
So I don't think that's quite, that's quite an abrupt decision to make, but fine. And maybe the interesting thing there is why did they not think that black audiences would respond well to this? And I wonder if it's to do with their perception of how black audiences would respond to, like, blasphemy mm. or black yeah. people's, res- uh, like, relationship to their faith or something. I don't know. I wonder if it was something about that. Yeah. Um, or if it was like, well, we've made another f- film that's almost entirely white. Well, of course, why would black people... Yeah, yeah. I think it was more that, maybe, but I'm not sure. Who knows? Um, this is something I didn't know and I've always wondered about. There was the Ouija board. Um, uh, the film, like, changed its kind of, like, whole thing. Because before that, it was just considered kind of like a funny... Like toy. toy, yeah. I mean, I knew I always kind of knew it was a toy, but I just like didn't realize to the extent that the kind of like people just like play like girls play with it at, like sleepovers and stuff, and it was just like considered lols to communicate with the dead. <laughs> so it's like, mm. what? Like, how was that ever thought that was okay? Apparently, Christians and spiritualists were still very against it before the film came out, and it was they were like, told you. Um, uh, but um, but yeah, just like it just yeah became sort of. A tool of the devil, essentially, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, interesting. interesting. Um, uh... <laughs> It'd be funny if it was, uh... <laughs> if instead of that it was like Dream Phone. Ah! But he just like, oh, Brad says he's looking for revenge <laughs> <laughs> and he loves pizza <laughs> grandma says it's cold here <laughs> grandma says she doesn't forgive you <laughs> screen phone <laughs> Come on, let's make it <laughs> um so, uh, yeah, on to uh, just a brief mention of Pazuzu, or as we like to call them, Pazuz. Um, Pazuzan. Pazuzan. Um, so uh, that's like the demon in the film, but um, he is not actually ever mentioned in the film. Um, and it's only through just the outside knowledge and like the book, I think, that we actually know his name. Um, but yeah, he was an Assyrian Babylonian demonic god, very popular in first millennium BCE. What's BCE? Before Christ, even. (laughs) (laughs) Existed. So, uh, yeah, before the exorcism, Father Merrin asked uh, Chris um, whether her daughter has a middle name. Um, and apparently this has more relevance than... Because it's weird, because he just asks, and she says, Teresa. He's like, that's a lovely name. And it goes in the room. It's just like, all right, what was that for? Um, but apparently in the Middle Ages, uh, Catholics used to give their children several, several names as they believed it would hinder Satan from finding out the child's real name and controlling its soul. I didn't oh, know that. I didn't know that either. Um, so that's interesting. I was just like, I wonder if that why is why you have been. Well, no, I don't know. It can't be the only reason. But anyway, um, the devil doesn't find us. Yes. <laughs> Give cool. me more middle names. <laughs> um, Give me fewer. <laughs> 
Um, so yes, as we mentioned, well, it's, I didn't mention it actually, I mentioned it was met on a novel, but it's actually based on a true exorcism story of someone called Roland Doe, which doesn't sound like a real name. That sounds Rolling like... Rolling Doe. <laughs> that sounds like something on Happy Families. Yeah. Like Roland Doe, the baker's son. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was a case in the Vatican involving a possession of a boy in 1949. Um, and his exorcism by two Jesuit priests. Um, uh, in what year? 1949. Mm. Um, two tiny remaining facts. Um, one which, like, I saw, like, um, a reference to, and I'm not going to even, like, dignify it with a kind of, like... I basically just, I'm pointing it out because this person said it, and then I'm just going to move on because it's kind of relevant to the podcast. Uh, apparently in the book, Karis, the handsome and in first course priest um <laughs> is gay um and then the guy was like went on to cite his sources being um that he shares a room with this guy and then at the end of one of the sentences he just says you know guys like us dot 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 and that's it and he says like and it was the 70s so they couldn't say any more than that it's like well i don't know if that means what that you think also, it means i expect like priests share digs all the time oh yeah no just like just that he said that guys like us was meant to be the enough of an indication priests oh so the character says guys like us yeah yeah yeah, oh, yeah. priests <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> know. they're probably more likely to be pedophiles than they are gays to be fair um and uh, one final lols fact that I discovered was that the little cabin um, in which William Peter Blatley wrote the Exodus novel uh, used to belong to Angela Lansbury. Oh, that's fun. She wrote murders there. No, she never wrote any murders. <laughs> murders she didn't write. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, what, what, what we're doing here, we're starting an excavation site. Um, and uh, it's apparently in, in northern Iraq, even though that's never mentioned in the film. Um, it is. Is it? Well, it comes on the screen. Oh, maybe I just blinked. Um, so uh, there's all camels and dirt and general uh, uh, ruins. Um, and uh, a youth is doing parkour um, <laughs> around, running around uh, trying to find... Um, this old man, uh, who we later find out is Merin, um, or Father Merin. Oh, Merin. <laughs> Such a funny name. <laughs> um, so um, he says, like, oh, we found something. You don't hear him say that. I just said, boop, 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 boop. Um, and, um, and he follows them, and they're looking through, and they're like, oh, not of this era. Mmm, mm, trinkets. And then he, like, crumbles very violently with his hand in a very uh, unartifactual way. Um, <laughs> uh, like, just cracks the mud off it. Um, and it's a Pazuzu head. And he's like, oh, Pazuzu? But also a little, like... There's a little silver medallion, medallion thing. thing. That recurs as well. That, oh, that, is that the, the one? The medallion thing is the thing that's not of this period. Oh. And then he shoves his hand in that big hole. <laughs> and that's where he just <laughs> grabs at this an, a priceless artifact and yeah finds a Pazuzu head. That's where he finds Pazuzu. Um, 
So uh, later that same day, he's at a, a market in a cafe. He's given a little tiny shot of tea, and he has a little smint. Um, I, I think it's not really a smint. I think it's some sort of medication, yes. and he's meant to it, be it old. Looks like, it looks like a little, uh, you know, those little artificial sweeteners you can put in your tea. Yeah, but I think it's meant to be for his heart or something. It's meant to imply his frailty. Yes. So from Iraq, uh, we cut now to Georgetown. Um, and we meet uh, actress Chris McNeil, and she's working on a film with her friend, Burke Dennings. I thought his name was Bert, but it's Burke. Burke. I knew it was Burke. Well done. Um, is he the director? Yeah, the weird cheesy directors are talking like brown, like brown cords. <laughs> um, uh, so she's only a temporary resident there while she films some sort of film where they're just like on a set and there's like lots of people shouting. There's some protest about education or something like Yeah, and war rights. and and weirdly uh in the in the crowd watching it is uh, a, a father damien Carus, um who's pulling lots of like lol faces <laughs> um and um then uh she spots him for some reason as he's leaving um and it's like oh mysterious man and also spots him always talking to someone like quite intensely and we find out that he's actually like um like a, a sort of a counselor for priests who are like losing their faith and but also having kind of i guess psychological issues generally um and um so yeah so then um he uh, cuts him visiting his mum um in new york actually i didn't realize it was actually new york but it is um, I thought it looked like the tenement buildings that we like, that they said were don't, in the film. Don't filmings. we see him coming out of a sub a subway? Yeah, I just just assumed that lots of cities had subways. I'm sure they do. Um, but yeah, it is New York because it, it looks like it as well. Yeah. Um, if, it, if it quacks like New York, then I am one. I'm New York. Um, and he goes to visit his old mum, and she's like just like living alone and she's got bandages and she's just in some weird radio and goes, I'm not leaving my home. Uh, <laughs> um, and he's like, Mama, I'll put you up in a nice place uh, <laughs> well, he with a pizza like pie. That, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, no, I like a pizza pie here. <laughs> this is my home pizza pie. Um, anyway, so... Uh, he leaves her again, just said uh, in the dark. But weirdly, before he leaves, he turns the radio to like some sort of fun music rather than like the weird like religious channel she's listening to. Um, so um, come on, mum, you need more fun. While you're asleep, I'm going to put this party music on. Um, uh, so he then also like you see him like in a I don't know if it's a pub or a sort of weird bar cafe situation, but he's talking to one of his colleagues and says that he doesn't feel like he's fit for the role of counselor and he's kind of like getting sick of hearing everyone losing their faith um and also he feels bad about his mum being so far away um and uh, the guy's like shut up <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what he says i can't remember anyway so we cut back to uh chris mcneil's beautiful mansion um with her bevy of uh, servants um she treats like shit. yes and um and she hears something in the attic and she's like oh what's that um, and then she like shouts at the. Uh, I assume he's like a butler type person. Um, I think he's like more like a handyman. But yeah, they all live in the house. I think so. There's like, I guess maybe yeah. There's like three of them. There's like an older woman who I think does all the cooking and cleaning. Mm. 
that old guy who's a handy guy, but also yeah. is a butler or something. He buttles. Or buttles, because he answers the doors and and deals with all the mail. Mm. Um, and then the other woman, who I guess is like a nanny. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, so she's like, uh, butler man, get some traps <laughs> for the attic. Um, uh, there's rats. And then she shouts that the shops are actually closed, so don't go now. Something. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, she's just really rude. Um, and um, and then uh, she, uh, like, her and Reagan are talking about some horses she saw. What was the term that they used? Gelden. Geldings. Geldings. Yeah, which apparently I didn't know. She's like, was it a mare or a gelding? gelding. She's like, it was a gelding. <laughs> Mother, it was a gelding. Which is apparently like a castrated male horse. Beautiful geldings. Yes. Um, and uh, she's like, Mother, can we have a gelding? She's like, no, silly old bitch. Uh, anyway, um, but then she... Um, um, I like my horses hung yeah! and uncastrated. Like heavy testicles. <laughs> um, Pendulous plus balls. <laughs> Gelding plus balls, please. Um, uh, Hold the castration. <laughs> um, a meaty mare. Anyway, um, so uh, so then the. I'm, I'm conflating bits just for can like just to tell the story, but they're they're in the basement now for some reason, um, and Reagan is showing her latest creation, which is some kind of bird thing, um, and I thought for a second it looked a bit like a sort of comedy Pazuzu actually, um, but anyway, um, it's like this weird like long bird with like orange wings. Uh, um, yeah. Anyway, um, she's quite the artist. Yeah, she's like, oh, thank you, it's so lovely, and I was just like thinking like it's like what a different time for children to be alive in the seventies making weird little sculptures <laughs> for their mothers and talking about geldings rather than I mean she's also an exceptionally rich child yeah but I mean like it's just like compare that to like the euphoria gals um, <laughs> I'm not sure either is 100% realistic. I know it's just different times isn't it on a scale from uh, euphoria to gelding <laughs> where did your childhood sit <laughs> on a gelding smoking a doobie um uh, no, so anyway... Um, Just being trans on a gelding. <laughs> <laughs> Galloping. <laughs> um, so yeah, then she's like, oh, I've been playing with this uh, Ouija board. And she's like, you know how to play it? Um, she's like, yeah, let me show you. I've been talking to Captain Howdy. And um, <laughs> she's like, who's Captain Howdy? He's like, that's the person who talks to me when I use it. Um, and she gets the board out. And she, the mum tries to like touch it. And she's like, no, just one player. She's like, oh. And then when the mum tries to reach for it, the, the planchette like, flies away. Um, which I don't know why she doesn't question. She just says, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's silly, isn't it? Um, and, um, and then, uh, so then Reagan's like, oh, let me, let's talk to Captain Howdy. And she's like, do you think my mom's pretty? And it doesn't move. And she's like, what a bitch. Um, <laughs> Reminds me of that person that I drunkenly told her I had a crush on. And I just stood there and didn't say anything and then walked away. <laughs> <laughs> that, you, was, that was my Captain Howdy. You got, you got Captain Howdy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Captain Howdy. Uh, um, so, uh, so, yeah, next up, uh, Chris hosts a party. Um, oh, but wait, I don't understand. This isn't a, I think at this point, Reagan's starting to be a bit weird. I don't remember how it starts, actually. Um, anyway, um, so, 
Yeah, so then, because um, I thought Megan had already started, like, well, she's at least, like, bashing around, I think. She, so and she, she said she, the bed she, is she moving. She said the bed is moving, yeah. So, uh, uh, Mumsy wakes up and uh, Reagan's in her bed. And she's like, oh, what are you doing in here? And she says, um, oh, the bed was shaking. I can't something. sleep, yeah. Yeah, I can't sleep, the bed was shaking. And the thing I remember about that scene is that she's got some lurid lime green sheets. Yes. Disgusting. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, so uh, so then there's a party. Um, and uh, Karis' friend, uh, Father Dyer, um, is there. Um I don't know why this is in the synopsis that I'm reading. It apparently mentions the mother di- his mother died recently. Party chat. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, um, so then uh, they're all having a jolly old time singing around a piano. Apart from anyone who comes into contact with Burke, the director. Oh, yeah, that's racist. not in this. Um, so, yeah, Burke is, like, obviously meant to be, like, one of those kind of cards who gets drunk and is a bit of a dick, but, oh, everyone loves him. He's so fun. Um, but actually, he's awful. And he's, like, harassing the... the I keep this, calling him a butler. I don't, I'm just going to keep saying butler, but I don't know what his role is, really. Um, and um, saying he's, like, a Nazi or something. Yeah, he's, he's a Swiss guy, and he, but he's just like, oh, you're a Nazi, you're a Nazi. Yeah, and he's just like, leave me alone. He's, like, he's following him around, saying, Nazi, 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 and, like, making weird Nazi jokes. Um, to the point that he then, like, the, the, the butler, he's, like, quite calm, collects moves, like, lunges at him, and, like, and then they, like, he... Bert gets kicked out he of the party. Bottles him out. Yeah, butts him out. Yeets him out. Um, <laughs> and um, so then he's gone, but then they're all having a lovely sing around the piano uh, with the with the, the priest who's, I think it's priest being pretty camp, singing along the piano. And they're all like around the piano. Camp priest, you say? Yeah. Just like, in the old days. And they're all singing along like this weird song. From the olden times, um, yes, and um, and then Reagan comes downstairs, and they, they stop the piano, and they go like, "Oh, we've got a little visitor," <laughs> um, and she just stares, and then just like cut to the carpet, and she's just like peeing on the carpet. You what she said? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She says to the astronaut actually, who's going up in space specifically, he says like, "You're going to die up there," um, and. Oh, um, I- Oh, I thought she was just speaking to the room in general. Um, makes sense. Um, so, um, and then she she lets loose quite a... I thought it looked like a chunky wee, but I think maybe it's just the effect on the carpet. Oh. Um, uh, previously, I thought it looked kind of like the consistency of porridge. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, on reflection, it's actually just... The, 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 I don't know what the, what the texture of carpet is called. Flock? The no. Weft. The weft. The flock of the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> the flock of the weft. I'm also not sure it's wefty. No, it's not weft. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, uh, the, 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 the dernier. Yes. Harvard. <laughs> but that, that's the one tufting. Of, <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the scenes from horror films that for me is being kind of forever ruined by the scary movies because the scene that spoofs that when she starts pissing, she, like, doesn't stop for, like, ten minutes. It's just, like, a constant stream. Um, <laughs> so I was surprised at how little liquid was produced. Yes. Yeah, relatively. Um, and then Chris is like, oh, dear, she's been quite unwell. Sorry, everyone. And takes her upstairs and gives her a bath. Um, <laughs> like, really hilariously, then pops her head downstairs to make sure that the woman's scrubbing the carpet, yeah. saying... 
Getting it all out there. <laughs> so why so don't horrible. you do it? Anyway. <laughs> See your daughter, your stinking cunting daughter. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, yeah, also, I'm the nanny. Should I not bathe the child in you clean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what do you do in this house? Um, anyway. Um, so, uh, so Chris actually puts her to bed after she's checked that the maid is cleaning, um, and, um, and the bed starts, uh, shaking violently. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty bad news. Um, let's see. Uh, yes, so we then cut to a scene of, uh, Father Dyer, who was the camp pianist, um, uh, consoling Karis, who we found out his mum has died again. Anyway, um, sorry, um, and um, and Karis like well, saying, no, no, I just mean that I've re- revealed that she's dead because she he was telling everyone at the party. Um, Karis anyway. wasn't at the party, was he? No, no, no. Karis's friend Dyer was at the party oh. and telling everyone that the mum had died. Okay. Weirdly, um, so anyway, <laughs> my friend's mum died. By my the way. friend, who you don't know, <laughs> his mother died. His mother died. Anyway, I enjoyed the party. Can't <laughs> wait to get on the piano later. Um, anyway. Um, so then, um, so then he's consoling Karis, and Karis is like, "Oh, I feel so guilty. I should have been there when she died. She was all alone." Um, and um, is gets very drunk, um, and then he has a dream of his mother, um, and uh, and the Saint Joseph medallion, which I think is the one that from the. Mm. But I don't know how how does he end up with that from the the dig site. It's very strange. I'm not. I'm not sure. No, I don't know. Um, anyway, um, and um, sees his mother like coming out of a subway and like like silently like crying for him, and then going back into the subway. And he's like just silently running, um, and apparently we briefly see a demonic face. I don't. Yeah, that, that's but... one of the moments where it's like sort of subliminally. It's as she's coming out of the subway station. Uh, oh yes, I do remember that. Um, <laughs> I love this synopsis that I'm reading from. The next paragraph starts with three words. Um, Reagan becomes violent. <laughs> um, so yeah, as she's getting more weird, her mum's like, oh, I better take her to the doctors. Um, and they basically do like uh, like a series of tests like that go on for like scenes and scenes and scenes as she's getting progressively more demonic. Um, they're giving little tests on her. The first sort of is funny because like, what does she say to the doctor? And then he has to repeat it to the mum. It's like, get your old fingers away from my pussy or something like that. <laughs> the word, oh. yes. um, she loves that word. Um, and, um, and the mum's like, there's something wrong with her. And they're like, okay, well, we'll do all these horrible tests on her to check whether it's something to do with her brain. And every time it's not her brain, they're like, it's definitely her brain, though. It must be brain. It's definitely some physiological problem rather than any kind of mental disorder. Mm. And the thing that I find, I was, I was saying this all the way through, but like the thing I'm watching at this time that I realise is so odd that it seems quite obvious to me that it would be like classified more obviously as like a mental disturbance or condition rather than a physiological issue. If someone just, their character completely changes and they start imagining voices, that's like schizophrenia or a number of different mental conditions. But it's never mentioned. Well, it kind of is later, but by the But very much later. So so the the priests are more willing to accept that this is probably like a mental health crisis rather than... 
uh, like but the doctors they, they, they would say be. like we, we would go to doctors rather than an exorcism in this case because this is obviously a mental health problem yeah but the doctors are like unwilling to admit that it could be and I guess there was like maybe not much mental health awareness then or it was like well, you think there'd deemed... be more with doctors than there were with priests I know though. especially like when they get to that scene where there's like a boardroom full of doctors sat around um, and they're like no it's definitely a physical condition so how is it still that after we've done all the horrible tests so yeah, during that period, uh, she's obviously like um, doing lots of things like shaking the bed and uh, just being a general nasty bitch. Um, and uh, one night while she's unwell and her mum's out, um, uh, the the nanny, I wish I knew her name actually, nanny, um, nanny boo-boo. Um, nanny, nanny. Uh, well, we don't know this has happened. Chris comes home and finds Reagan in bed asleep with the window open and it's freezing cold. And she's like, and there's nobody in the house. And she's like, what the fuck? Um, and um, and she's all fuming and screaming. Um, and then the nanny comes back and was like, what? I left Burke with her. Like, um, like he promised he'd stay. And she was like, you shouldn't have trusted Burke. So she's, no one could ever do anything right in her eyes. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so um, so then, like, Burke's missing. Um, and uh, nanny's like, that's so weird. Oh, well, um, uh, please tell me off more. Um, and, uh, and so then, but then we find out that Burke <laughs> is at the bottom of the stairs outside of her window, uh, with his neck twisted all the way around. Um, and, uh, and they don't, they don't find this out until I think the next day. And then the detective comes around and is asking questions about like, well, it seems like he was in your house and then he was down at the bottom of those stairs. And so, <laughs> what do you think about this? So, it's like, mm, I don't know, bye. Seems like none of my business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, what I find interesting about this scene, or this whole story bit, is that um, they do point, they do ask, like, why, why did he go to her room? And I think there's some sort of insinuation that he was being a creep. Um, and that he was going into her room to sort of be molesty, essentially. Oh, interesting. Um, and uh, because he wasn't meant to go up to the room. Yeah, why would you? Yeah, um, he's looking after a sick... Yeah, I don't know. And he was obviously a horrible old man. Well, I mean, his character was this, this disgusting kind of, like, weirdo. And I just I think that there is an implication that he was going into her room to... With ill. Ill intent. Mm. So he got his comeuppance, in my opinion. Um, he also was horrible. So, yeah. Deserved neck crunch. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, the, the detective then becomes a main character in the film and is just buzzing around all over the place asking everyone questions about, like, demonic stuff. Um, uh, so... Yeah. Um... So, yeah, as Reagan gets worse and worse and worse and worse, um, they, <laughs> the doctor finally suggests that maybe they could try an exorcism um, because it's seen, it could be, like, seen as, like, a way of... Like, he kind of implies that it's, like, it's sort of, you know, like a placebo effect almost. Like, it's like she thinks she's possessed, so maybe if we do this exorcism, it will help. I mean, in fairness... What are exorcisms, if, if not, not a placebo? <laughs> well, yes. Um, so, so yeah, she's like, what? You want me to go to a witch doctor? Um, and uh, and then she, there's a scene back at the house where, is this the bit with the crucifix, actually? Is that the bit before she goes to see Karis? I can't remember which order it goes in. No, um, 
so I think at this point, she's like at her wit's end. She's like, oh, I can't believe you're saying Alexis. And she goes back to the house. She finds a crucifix under Reagan's pillow and then goes around and questions all the, the staff. And it's like, did you put this here? Did you put this here? And they were like, they seem quite convincingly saying no. We never get to the bottom of where that crucifix comes from, I don't think. Do you know? Inside of Reagan. Well, we know where it goes. <laughs> uh, but where it came from. Um, no one knows. Uh, so... Uh, so then uh, she confiscates it, but then Reagan ends up back with it um, and uh, leads to cut to uh, uh, probably, I think, is it, well, maybe the second most famous thing because I think the turning around head thing is probably. Oh, I would have said maybe third after floating above the bed. Uh, somewhere in the top three. Mm-hmm. Um, so she uh, has the crucifix and uh, is saying lots of nasty things. Um, and actually I know this bit very well because it's the start of a song that I really liked Uh, they sample this bit um, a band called Lolita Storm and it goes, Lolita Storm. Lolita Storm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they go, keep away, the sow is mine. Fuck me, fuck me. <laughs> um, and then she starts fucking herself with the crucifix, and it's very bloody yeah. and disgusting. Um, and I think the scene where she pulls her mum's head into her her vaginal area and says lick it wasn't in the version I've seen I don't think I was shocked at that I don't don't think think I've seen that bit before we did watch the director's cut and I thought the main difference well I think it is the main difference is which I think we've skipped in this plot summary actually is where she runs down the stairs like like a crab kind of backwards like a spider yeah that happens somewhere around all the shenanigans uh, but yeah I don't remember and then the mother's face is like covered Covered in in blood blood. because she's like had a but face I, in I a do vaguely think that, and maybe it was from that documentary about it being a cursed film. I feel like the director was a bit of a dick on this film as well. Oh yeah, and that when the mother is like thrown across the room, she really did like bash her head off the. Yeah, off the wall. and and Reagan or Linda Blair like really got injured like on the set because of the violent kind of throwing around on the bed was mm-hmm. actually like as violent as it looks essentially, and it really. Fucked There's her no back way up. for that not to be. Like, no, <laughs> unless it was like a dummy. I don't know what it's but anyway. Um, but yeah, so um, and also the freezing coldness apparently like uh, really like fucked her up mm. anyway um so yeah so that bit and then i think that's the bit that pushes her over the edge oh and then the chest of drawers like flies towards her but doesn't actually yeah. hit her which seems like a waste of energy um demonic <laughs> energy um anyway um so she goes to father Caros. i don't know how she ends up like being connected with him but well i guess through the mutual friend from the party oh yes party priest party priest <laughs> <laughs> it's I party priest <laughs> he congers by <laughs> looking like for an exorcism disco <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, anyway so it's, she's talking to him and um, saying like oh it's really bad no one can figure out what's wrong with her I'm at like, my wits end um, and uh, she's like can you for example do a exorcism and he's like exorcism like really just like can't even believe she knows the word the way he's like reacting it's just like and says like oh yes it's from like the 1800s you could never get one and then if you did get one you'd have to go through all the, the proper channels and it'd be impossible blah, 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 blah. yeah, got to it, yeah. So. um and she's like oh my mom please help me um and uh so she's like please come and see her <laughs> please come and see my lovely daughter um and he pops by and she's looking rough as fuck um and uh saying horrible things about um 
how he killed his mom and stuff. Um, is it? I think maybe this is, is this the point where no, it's later. The sucks cogs in hell. Mm. Um, anyway, um, and uh, yeah, he's like because um, he, the priest is like, "Where's Reagan?" And she's like, "She's, she's in, in here, she's in here with, us. with us." And she's like, "Your mother's here as well." Uh, yeah, she's like, "What's mom, what's mom's little name then?" Eh? She's like, oh, I don't know. Um, anyway, you know my favorite bit of trolling that the that Pazuzu does. Go on, <laughs> is when uh, when he's because like one of the things that the Vatican will judge whether or not uh, it it's a case it's like a genuine possession is if they can speak multiple languages. So he tries to engage Pazuzu in speaking in another language, and he just like trolls and is like. Uh, La plume de ma tante. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that bit as well. Um, what is La plume de ma tante? I know it from uh, like school, I think, or something. But I don't know. Does it just mean like, yeah, it's like the feather in my hat or something? Is it? Anyway, whatever. Ma tante. Doesn't that mean my auntie? Ah, the feather in my aunt. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so whatever but yeah so he's there also recording her and she's making all these like weird like um and uh, tongues um and ends up she's like speaking backwards and it's like saying stuff like fear the priest um and um also says uh, which i only noticed this time says merin quite a few times um obviously maybe knowing that he's, he's coming the one that found the yeah the pazuzu head at the beginning amulet. um so mm. So yeah, then he speaks to a priest, and then the priest approves the exorcism. Yeah, and then they're like, "Who can we get to do this?" And they're like, "Oh, Merrin. It's like he's quite old, but I think he's he can do it." Um, and um, so Merrin comes round to the house, um, and um, and uh, and like uh, Karis is like, "So, do you want to know any background?" And Merrin's like, "Why?" <laughs> well, okay. No, I'm just here to do that. Says him, shut up. Um, so then uh, they go up to the room, and uh, and Reagan's obviously sort out of the bed, and she's doing lots of kind of uh, being vile and saying lots of hilarious, like sassy, rude things. Um, and um, oh yeah, including uh, your mother socks cocks in hell, which is my favourite. Um, uh, Have you seen uh, Repossession? Repossessed. Repossessed. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so for those of you who don't know, it's like a spoof film that came out when Linda Blair was an adult. And she plays a character who's been possessed for the second time and they do a televised exorcism. Yeah. And it's got... Uh, it's a comedy, by the way. What's his name? It's the guy with the white hair and he does... all Naked Guns. Naked Guns. Leslie something. Or is it? Oh, uh... Anyway. Any, anyway, yeah, you, yeah. you know. Um, and, and there's a bit where she goes, lick me! And the camera shows her and she's turned into a big uh, ice, cream. ice cream. Yes, <laughs> I remember that. Hilarious. Um, yeah. Because I was trying to remember, there's another parody where it says like, your mother darn socks in hell. I think that's off Drag Race, you know. Oh, is it? I think so. Oh, okay. Um, oh, no, I think that everyone on Drag Race just steals everything from popular culture. I think it's from somewhere else. But anyway, um, we'll, we'll figure it out maybe afterwards. Um, so, um, 
So yes, so there you go up to the room and the devil, <laughs> the devil, uh, Reagan, um, projectile vomits all over Karis's face. Um, it's all the pea soup kind of disgustingness. Um, and the speaking tongues and yeah, it's, it's very gross. Um, so um, they start doing the ritual um, and the devil's like cursing them um, and it's like focusing on Karis like verbally attacking his loss of faith and guilt over his mum and all this stuff um, and uh, and <laughs> oh it says what it is the, in the synopsis because yeah so they're basically doing the the um, the, the, the ritual and um, it's during it she's swearing loads and then she kind of like she floats off the bed I think in the first mm. the first act um and uh she also spins her head around again um any other things no I think and then she like floats that back down to the bed um I think it's while they're saying the power of Christ compels yes. you the power of Christ compels you um, I say that quite a lot. Nobody ever knows what that reference is. Well, I think it's one of the most well-known mm, scenes. I think it? people are stupid. Yeah, maybe. Um, anyway. And then that's when the help me pops up in her skin. Oh, no, that that's that's a weird bit where the nanny come, like brings the priest around in the night to show her under a nighty. That's so... Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, anyway, no, so yeah, what yeah. happens is what he... Uh, oh, it like, the, rips the flesh off. Yeah, the, yeah. the holy water like looks like a sort of whip mark across yeah, the skin. Yeah, and it makes kind of whip sound almost. Mm. Um, anyway, so then um, you think it's kind of done, but they're just like, oh, no, I need to take a break now, come back in. Um, and... <laughs> And the, um, what's the old guy called? Merin. Uh, pops the toilet and has one of his smints. Um, but we find, I actually found out it's called, he takes nitroglycerin. That's all that is. I thought it was like Wait. an explosive. He <laughs> 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 eats a little bomb. Um, anyway. Um, and uh, so, like, they tried to go back in and like Karis has like a nervous breakdown essentially because he's like I think he's speaking in his mum's voice or something um and he's like oh I can't handle it and Marin's like get out you weak old feeble loser um <laughs> I'll do it um and so Karis goes downstairs and is looking all like oh I've seen the worst thing ever um and Chris pops out and I don't know what she's been doing imagine just like she's been doing some admin um <laughs> she won't uh, be doing any admin around the house she's got a team, ah! team of staff to do it just lying staring at the ceiling <laughs> um and um anyway um and uh yeah, and she goes, oh, is it all done then? Not in that voice. Um, and he goes, no. Um, and she's like, oh, like what the fuck are you doing here then? Um, and and she's like, is she going to die? And at this point, he's like, oh, fuck, I should go back up there. That's pretty shit of me to have left that old man up there. Um, and so he pops his head back around. He's like, hi. No. <laughs> How's it going? Um and uh, old uh, Merrin is dead on the bed, so not great. Um, and uh, so, and like Reagan's like sat on the corner of the bed, like starts giggling, like he he killed him. Um, and so Karis takes over the exorcism. Um, it's still not working very well. I think it's kind of like I forgot how like ineffectual the exorcism ritual is in this situation. Mm. He just says like, "Come into me, come into my body." I'll host it or whatever. And then, like, um, you see the, the demon face kind of flash onto his. Um, and um, 
and then like his eyes go the kind of like contact lens color, the yellowy, um, and he like is holding onto it, like struggling. It's trying to get back to Reagan, and he throws himself out the window. Um, but he's like beating the shit out of her at one point. Oh yeah, that's when she's giggling. Um, yeah, um, but yeah. So then um, beating the shit out of her. I forgot about that. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, and then um, so then he like flies out the window, does the little roughy tumbles. Um, little loopsies. Um, boom, 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 all the way down the stairs. There's uh, a bloody puddle, and there's lots of people like going, "Oh my god!" Um, and then like a party priest pops by, and it's like, "Have you got any last words?" So I think I'm actually dying. So uh, <laughs> leave me alone. I don't think I'm going to speak right now. Um, anyway, um, so I think I think it says three months later or something. Or do I imagine that? Anyway, time mm. has passed. Um, and, uh, and they're like, uh, they're basically leaving and, uh, and Reagan's all fine. Um, it's got like some sort of light bruising on the cheek or something, but otherwise it's fine. Wearing a little funny hat. Um, and, um, and then, uh, yeah, just packing up the car to go. And, um, and so Snurdy, like... It's been lovely uh, knowing you. And so <laughs> hope I never see you ever again in my entire life. This has been my worst thing that ever happened. Um, and, uh, and, oh, and Party Priest pops by again. Um, and um, I don't know why, just to check in, I suppose. Um, and uh, she's she's like, thanks thanks uh, for everything even though you did nothing yeah Reagan gives him a little kiss on the cheek yeah she she looks at his collar and then gives a little kiss and gives him a kiss like thank you for you and your ilk for what you done for me mister and then they um then they drive away but then he stops and says oi priesty um and then she gives him the little like well is it meant to be cursed we don't know um little saint joseph or something like amulet um that belonged to the priest that the, the nanny had found on the floor so you should have this and then he's like no you should have it and she's like no you should have it um and then he takes it and then they drive off um and um there's just a weird little bit at the end where the priest is wandering back past the house and the detective turns up and is like Oh, where's everyone? And he's like, oh, they've all gone. She's, and uh, he's like, oh, how's the girl? So like, fine. So like, okay. Well, um, just by the way, and this is also a movie pulls on Karis earlier in the film. He's like, um, I get free passes to like cinema stuff, and my wife's always busy. I just wondered if you wanted to like come with me to see this film. And he asks who's in. He's like, seen it, which is the same thing that Karis says. So it's obviously some kind of in joke. I don't understand. Nobody does. Um, then he's like. Oh, come here. I won't let you say no. Let's go for lunch. Um, and then they skip off down the street and have anal sex. No. <laughs> the end. <laughs> so, uh, we were just both agreeing that we don't really have a lot to say about representation <laughs> of this film. Um, uh, so... Uh, with uh, start with women. Um, I guess that's the biggest one, but also very thin on the ground in terms of anything that you'd like. Well, I think it's interesting that it was changed from the novel from a boy to a girl. Yeah, and that ties in with what we've spoken about in the past, which is that hauntings and exorcisms and possession and poltergeists tend to sort of in the film tend to revolve around young women sort of on the cusp of pubescence. Yeah, that's true, actually. 
Um, but I mean, the only like fully developed women in this are Reagan, who for ninety percent of the film is actually Pazuzu, <laughs> <laughs> and the mother who is depicted as completely hysterical and also a bit of a dick as well. Yeah. Um, um, even in the scenes where you see like lots of doctors sat around the table, they're all men. Well, they're mostly men. There's a handful of women. Yeah, yeah. Women are slightly more compassionate but barely get any words in. Yeah, um, and she's just shouting all the time at everyone. Um, uh, weirdly, like, I just didn't ever notice how unlikable she was until this time around. Like, yes. I kind of felt like... I mean, you can kind of understand it's not a nice situation to be in. <laughs> it's but, not ideal. Um, she's sometimes <laughs> nice to some of the men that come to visit, like getting them coffees and drinks and things. I mean, that's but, a fairly low bar. Uh, isn't it? <laughs> um, but, um, but it's just nice to see her doing something around the house. <gasps> <before. laughs> Instead um, of having all of the staff running around. Yeah, she's her. really rude to all the staff, like really like accusatory and really shouty and just really nasty. Um, which maybe would have been seen as like she's like a girl boss like I don't know but it doesn't come across that way Um, I I think it's uh, like it's like privileged rich actress woman yeah Um, having to deal with this unexpected trauma yeah Um, yeah so um, we don't really know anything about the other women like the nanny doesn't really do much and yeah that seems nice and And also the priest's mother yeah, who's just frail and old and dies. Yeah, she's just she's very much just a plot point, isn't yeah. she? So that Pazuzu has something to kind of manipulate him. Yeah. Um, is there anything else to say? <laughs> um, well, I mean, I guess that I feel like it's surprising that the thing that was not the most shocking at the time was the sort of, like, sexual language and, like, violence yeah. in it. Which I think is all the more alarming because it's a child yeah it's like a 10 year old girl masturbating with a crucifix and then a 10 year old girl is she 10 12 12 a 12 year old girl like shoving her mother's face into her like yeah wounded vagina yeah um it's uh, yeah it that, just... i think that like we gasped when uh when she put her mum's face down there yeah like, I, I didn't remember that I bit at, remember all. That at all or i haven't seen a version with that and i don't know mm. um but yeah like i was like what and then we just lick it as well it's like oh my god yeah. not even just shoving her face down there <laughs> yeah giving so, her instructions yeah. as well <laughs> um but yeah the mum was like like this <laughs> And um, but yeah, just um, I think maybe like the weird thing. Maybe this is too spicy a take. I think the um, sexual violence and uh, kind of that kind of stuff was so not part of the vernacular against women then. Um, like in terms of like the feminist movement it was like burgeoning at that point and maybe I don't know maybe it was just quite commonplace in films to see like women being degraded and so that wasn't shocking whereas through a lens now it seems really like oh my god how is this allowed well I think there's something in that but I think even even within those parameters it's the fact that she's a child just makes it all the more like disturbing yeah Um, I mean that's the thing it's like there's that one bit where the priest is just like why her it's like oh it's to make us feel even more like disgusted like with what's happening because it's a little girl essentially mm. which yeah it's just yeah yeah I guess the the easy way of like kind of 
curtailing any criticism about that. It's just like, well, it is the devil doing it, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and obviously, like, I, it wouldn't have been as shocking if it had been like a and like an, an adult woman. Well, it, it would have been, I guess. I but yeah, it's more disturbing. Mm. Um, but that's the point, I think. I think yeah. it's just like that's the, the whole thing. Uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's all I have to say about women. Um, uh, people of color. Um, obviously, we start um, in Iraq, and I think the people there are made to look quite backwards and kind of like sort of weird and like spooky almost, and like, also like primitive. So yeah. I think the- <clears throat> I think like that the, the representation of people of color is very limited. Like that there are a handful of non-white characters that are unnamed and don't have any dialogue. There's, but there's the, the blackness with the funny white hat on. Oh yeah, uh, it but looks, like, it looks like she's making cakes. Yeah, a little tea cozy on her head. <laughs> um, um, but I think there's something interesting around some of the, like, the sort of language around. So there's a bit where. Uh, when I think she, so when the mother raises with a doctor something about an exorcism and he's like very dismissive and he's like, oh, that only happens in primitive cultures. And I think I think there's something a bit loaded in some of the like language around that. And then there's and then there's also. The very, oh, um, and that follows because actually they get um, they get in Merrin because they say that he's been working in the Far East and it must be something to do with like kind of the idea of like. Um, missionaries going to save unholy yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the, and the, the kind of like more heathen um, types. Um, the, yeah. And also, the at Burke, the director, is very racist, as well as. Um, oh, yeah. uh, so he, as well as bullying the Swiss man about being a Nazi for some reason, he also makes. I'm pretty sure he says he makes a joke about like an Asian pubic hair. Oh yeah. Um, which yeah. I don't really get, but yeah, he, I mean, he's generally a dick and does deserve his death yes but um but yeah so i i think it's yeah i think it's just like there's lots of bits where like um like there's uh women wearing like hijabs and stuff and it's like they pan to their face in a scary way where it's like oh Mm. it's like they they also do that classic thing of like having a slightly different hue for when they're in iraq yeah yeah music is different yeah yeah um, yeah, so it's uh it's very much of its time anyway yeah um i think that's probably Mm. that on that um, a queer representation? No, <laughs> no I mean, no. Well, the priest and the lieutenant at the end <gasps> going on that little lunch date. You must That's come such to such a funny, weird level. moment that I've completely forgotten about. I mean, I guess like it's such a tiny point. Of, like, this, I was like, why is the film still happening? <laughs> like, well, exactly. <laughs> I, I was very much ready for the film to be done as soon as the priest died. Um, like, it does drag a bit after that. It's like, yeah. we don't need to see that the priest and the lieutenant are going for lunch. Yeah. Like, uh, it's, it's it's a non um, plot point, but there is something a bit like, um, do you want to come to the movie with me to see Wuthering Heights? Yeah. It's like, who does it star? And it's like Lucille Ball. Seen it. <laughs> <laughs> it's really a sassy chat. Yeah. yeah. And maybe I was just thinking, uh, maybe it's because they want to show that um, the police aren't going to be investigating it anymore or something. But it's still like what? Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, I don't know how they're not because like it's weird because like the lieutenant obviously busts in at the end of the exorcism, finds Reagan curled up on the floor, um, and the window broken, and it's like 
Uh, who did that, I wonder? <laughs> yeah. uh, no charges for no, you. I, I just think it, just think about the paperwork. Oh, nightmare. Been chasing this case for months, but oh, can't be bothered anymore. Now two people have been <laughs> Seems fine. No, no, it's too many, too much paperwork. Okay, it's all suicides, all accidents. Um, yeah, um... So, uh, don't think there's any disability representation. I think the closest we get to it, which, again, I think maybe speaks more into, like, a sort of racialized reading of this, is at the beginning where um, the camera kind of uses, like, kind of... uh, shows a guy with like a sort of glassy eye, like yeah, sort of like, facial like maybe it's like a cataract or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's supposed to be like a sort of scary moment. Yeah, um, so, no. but it's it's not. <laughs> uh, yeah, because <laughs> why would it be? Um, but but yeah. I, I feel like that's supposed to be more about like look at these strange people in this foreign land. Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, um, so exotic, so unusual. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah um, is that all that we generally talk about? In terms of, <laughs> I think yeah. so. It's just, just so spent through it with this one because it's not really relevant to the film. <laughs> this, is like, this isn't about representation. But I was actually thinking back to that point that I, that I, that I made um, earlier about um, the, well, I, I retold about the rep, the, um, the kind of the end of black exploitation films and like how this was like the beginning of that because it was like so notorious that like it made like people from black neighborhoods go to white neighborhoods to watch that. And I was just thinking, like, obviously, I just, like, didn't really think about how ridiculous it was that they were segregating films at that time. It's just, like, so shocking. And the fact that they just, like, didn't think... They thought, rather than, like, making casts more diverse and integrating, they would rather just stop making films for black people. <laughs> it's just, like, wow, what a time. It, it explains a lot, though, in, yeah. the, in the slowness now of... Yeah, like, more diverse cast, and also like the fact that people are still just like, oh, why does it have to be black characters in this? It's like, well, because films aren't just for you, are they? No, <laughs> it's just like thinking, oh, well, if it's good enough, we don't have to have black people, and it's like, mm. what? Anyway, the world, what a backward place. Yeah. Um, so yes, that... maybe that's why they also included that little love story between the lieutenant and. The <laughs> Maybe the gays will enjoy this as well if we add this in. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I read it was funny because I was reading just like I was just like Google like queer and whatever film title and there's those like really tenuous kind of like suggestions about there being queer like stuff in it like it's meant to be like Chris uh, the the mum like is meant to like be a lesbian apparently because she like doesn't fancy Burke or something. I mean Burke's disgusting. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, anyway, um, yes, so, but, yeah, what do we talk about now? Uh, the <laughs> film generally. Do you know what, I, I had a funny thought while I was watching it, actually, which I'll share with you, that um, obviously, like, I think because we're so kind of like wizened um, to think shocking things, um, uh, we were laughing hysterically every time she, like Reagan was saying something filthy, and um, and I was thinking, she's like 
actually just like a drag queen like a sassy bitchy <laughs> drag queen she's just like sort of reading everyone to filth yeah. and just like like shove it up your ass and all this kind of stuff and it's just like just get your like, fingers out of my cunt yeah exactly <laughs> and it's just like we were laughing and screaming yeah. every time she's like shove it up her filthy ass and just like you know just like put it up his ass oh yeah where she's like um uh, Fuck her up the ass, you fucking cocksucker. Yeah. <laughs> she calls the priest a faggot. Like, yes. She is hysterical. And I was just thinking, like, I wonder, like, how much, I don't know, like, it kind of, because I was reading about, like, Divine recently, and, like, a lot of his acts on stage when he was doing his live shows and his music included stuff like that and yeah. those kind of like sassy comments obviously <laughs> at the time that wouldn't have been as seen as sassy or like kind of you know it would have been as shocking but like really it's just like quite kind of like dark comedy almost i, I think there's something <laughs> about the humor of her character as well that reads more to an audience today be partially because of that but also she's a troll like yeah she, she, she's a, it's like troll humor yeah I just love it how sassy she is. And then it's like, where she like opens the drawer and um, he's like, do it again then. She's like, nah. <laughs> in time. Do yeah. it again. In time. time. <laughs> it's just like, just, she's just like hilarious. It's like the funniest character in the film. Oh, <laughs> um, but obviously I don't think I probably thought that the first few times around. But like, yeah. Um, and I think the other thing that both of us agreed was that on this watching... We found it quite slow. Very slow. Um, I think it's a film that like, and I have, I've seen it loads of times, although not for a long time. And I feel like I come away thinking the same thing every time, but I forget, which is, oh, this is very long and very slow. And I also think if you think about, and I know you don't like this film, but like it's contemporaries that like are also very long, slow films, which I think the like, Stories took longer to unfold in films than they do now. Like mm. now, it's like action, action, action. But there are there are like similar era films like The Omen, which is much more heavy on story and lots more happens. Mm. And it like it, it, this film could definitely have about forty minutes shaved off it. I also wonder whether it was something to do with the director's cut version that we watched. Maybe there's more boring footage in the director's cut. I don't know. Like, because, like, I don't feel I do, like I, I've been this the... bored, like, by... I mean, like, which is a terrible thing to say, because I do love this film. But, I do as well. Um, and it just... This time I found... I did find it quite grueling towards the I end. Did. I was just like... Yep, the, okay, the, and then when the, do we the, get the to good, the bits? The, the good bits are brilliant. Yeah. The in-between bits are not. And I think part of this is that the, the... Like, the characters aren't that interesting, apart from, like, the mother is interesting, Reagan is interesting. I'm not bothered about the lieutenant and the old priest who's popping his pills. Yeah, like just... and I think you're meant to be more invested in Karis. Um, yeah. I was saying to Sean as well I was reading about it people kept describing him as the handsome priest and like he's really not very no, good looking at disgusting. all he looks like a sort of shriveled Louis Theroux and it's really funny because they like compare him to like Sam Molinas who was like actually a hottie and it's just like he is nowhere near that um, but yeah it's just like I don't know yeah very strange looking man um, but yeah, yeah maybe if he was hot we would have been more invested yeah maybe <laughs> sexy priest and party priest um <laughs> Um, but, um, you could have had the one from Fleabag. Ah! He was. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah, not 
No. And I think this is, I do wonder, I feel like I'm going to sound like a grandma now, but um, I do wonder whether like films have become so pacey and so quick and so action filled that we're kind of now don't, can't let films just like be slow, (laughs) like like, and wash, like maybe we're we're kind of overstimulated essentially. I I mean, I definitely have a lower attention span than I used to. Like, I think even just like pre-pandemic, but um, (laughs) the... But I, I don't think it's fair to say that horror in general can't be slow because if you look at like some of the series on Netflix that have done really, really well, um, especially those like, is it Mike Flanagan? Not Mike Flanagan. What's his name? The guy, like, so the um, the haunting of blah, 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 blah. Uh, and yeah. the night, uh, what was it called? The one that we liked, the zombie one. Midnight. Uh, Midnight Mass. That's it. Those are very slow and very like dialogue heavy. Very slow storyline development, but they're really well received and we watched them and enjoyed them. So I don't think it's just about slowness. I think it's about, it's to do with, like, if we're invested in the story, then we can deal with slowness. But in this one, when we're not seeing the actual exorcism bit, the story isn't that interesting and the characters aren't that interesting. And I do think they spend, like, maybe three quarters of the film... um, investigating it medically and just showing all the horrible things that the like tests are doing on her like swinging her around and just like poking her with needles and stuff yeah there's a lot of attention on the medical stuff which is just like um i don't care um there were some bits where i thought the like slowness of it really added to it and there was there's one bit where which so the power of Christ compels you a bit. I'd completely forgotten how long that scene goes on. It's like, um, I thought they said it like four times. It goes on for yeah, ages, yeah, yeah. but that works really well because that whole scene is so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And um, like the way it's shot is incredible. Um, and the sort of slowness of it really adds to it. But but like, for example, we don't need to see the lieutenant asking the priest for lunch, do we? Like it's not... This is the thing is like I think there's uh, I was, I always have this kind of idea that basically um in the 70s and like well just generally around the olden times um <laughs> the, there was this kind of like weird like uh, sort of like flourishes in films that were kind of quite kind of abstract and irrelevant that you wouldn't get um in films now they're just kind of like side side like red, not red herrings but just like random side detours that just mm. like why is this happening and why is this happening and why is this happening why are we interested in this like and i don't really know what he's talking about or why this conversation is happening um and actually speaking of that there was a quote that i really wanted to include um that I, i've completely forgotten who said it because i had to google it because it was like and look for the script because it's such a weird line and it's so I feel like it encapsulates what I'm talking about but maybe you'll disagree but there's this bit where like where the captain the the the, the chief is he what is he lieutenant lieutenant <laughs> um is around and talking to uh, Chris about the kind of like stuff um and um and she says that like you know Reagan's sick and um, he just says this weird line, which I like for some reason I got obsessed with when I was younger, and I'd say it over and over, and I'd forgotten, so I had to like re-google it. But it's like, watch out for drafts. A draft in the fall, when the house is hot, is a magic carpet for bacteria. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, That's a great line. <laughs> it's like, why what? What are you on about? Why are you saying that? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I just don't like... Cause I... I mean, I think the ideal film length is 90 minutes, um, and I, I will not be budged on that. <laughs> if it was good enough for the carry-on films, it's good enough for anything else. And uh, But there are films that are longer, obviously, that are good. Oh. And But the, for me, it is, it's all to do with character development, and I just don't think the other characters are interesting enough to carry such a slow uh, pace. I think it's a film that diminishes on every watch. Um, it's like power does. Um, because it yeah, becomes, that's interesting. Because a, a lot, a lot of the like when you're first watching it, it's very much there. It's it's a, it's a slow build because it's about the building of tension. But when there's no tension left, it doesn't really stand up to scrutiny for its length yeah. and its slowness. Yeah, I wonder how long the original like like not director's cut version is actually anyway because that version was two hours mm. and that did seem long. Um, but yeah, who knows? Um, I didn't, I didn't research that. Um, but yes, um, uh, 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 any more to say on it? Um, oh, I wanted to say a little personal anecdote. Um, my mum went to see it at the cinema when it came out and uh, she had to leave to vomit. <laughs> Does she remember which bit she vomited at? I reckon, I, I, I don't, she didn't say, but I think it was probably the, the injection-y bit. Mm. Um, because I find that a bit gross. I don't want to. I don't want to see that. Um, but uh, yeah, um, she. I don't know. I'll ask her next time I speak to her. Um, yeah, there were a few little details that I had forgotten about or only spotted the this time round. There's one right at the beginning where she's like convulsing on the bed and her throat is like bulged out, like a frog. Yeah, and it's. Um, it's a bit of a blink and you'll miss it sort of detail, yeah. but it's really I really love it. And then there's also I can't remember which scene it is, but the mother screams and it cuts to the next scene and you can still hear her scream like trailing off. Um, you said it was like Pangina. It's an episode of Drag Race. And one of the things that really really disturbed me as a young, like a child watching it child's the when she's sat in like upright in the chair she, the way she's her hand is she's like resting her uh, i don't really know how to describe it oh this is when she's um under hypnotism yeah she's resting yeah. her hand her elbow and and her arms upright but then her wrists like kind of floppy yeah um and it's just i don't know there was like little kind of creepy details like that yeah um, but uh, but yes, that was that was all my um. Oh, and th- there is one. Oh, oh, oh. just about the 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 thing you were saying about how like the the doctor's refusal to accept that it might be a mental case, not a um a like physiological case, is uh, he's the doctor says, oh, there's always a temptation to leap to psychiatry with these things, and it's like, well, this is proving quite the contrary. <laughs> 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 but yeah, it's interesting that the kind of the mention of mental health comes from the priests and not from the doctors. Um, I, I found that, was... that so shocking this time. Like, obviously, like it's like there's so much more conversation about mental health and mental issues, and it's like I, I just, I just, it's so weird. It's like you were saying, like that quote just shows he's like actively avoiding assigning mental health issues to it. It's just like I, I would think that would be the first point of call, and then. I think actually that was just generally what, what would well, happen in this my, case. My first protocol would be, I think the bed is faulty, <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, I think she maybe might be having some sort of mental health crisis. Yeah. <laughs> 
and then maybe something about a tumour on the brain or something as a, as a, as a tertiary approach. Tertiary. <laughs> yes. So, maybe that's it's, that. Is it time for the awards? I think maybe it is, Shawnee yes. Warney. Oh, great, Alexy Walexy. Uh, don't call me that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so who who was your best character? Uh, I I didn't put one actually. Sorry um, to say. I, 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 oh, I, maybe the two fighting dogs in Iraq. Oh, lovely! <laughs> what a deed. Okay. Um, I said Captain Howdy. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm too triggered by Captain Howdy's rejection. <laughs> Captain Shady. Um, uh, what was your spoopiest bit? I think uh, the. Don't know if it's spookiest, but definitely, like, my favourite shot. It's a very beautiful film, like, there are loads of really beautiful moments. Uh, one of which is where you see the her from above when she's floating and, like, mm. battling. That's beautiful. But when uh, when you just see her in silhouette on her knees on the bed during the exorcism and then you see the, the, the shadow of, like, the Pazuzu statue uh, behind yeah. her. I really love that shot. Yeah, the, um, the, you've already kind of mentioned it, but the bit where she starts levitating off the bed, um, there's like a like kind of like a shot that's just like of her arms out with like her eyes all whited out um, and backlit with the like her floating up, and it's just like it. It's like I think it's a mixture of like chilling and like aesthetically very beautiful. Mm. It's like um, that's also during the bit why they're going the power of Christ yeah. compels you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I just think it, it looks so good. Like it's like it kind of took my breath away. I was like, oh, I've forgotten how like beautiful that bit is. Yeah. But also like I love things that look spooky. So I don't know whether it actually for other people it would look scary, <laughs> like you know, rather than pretty. Um, so, but yeah, um, I enjoyed that bit. Um, what was your funniest <laughs> Well, I have two. Cool. Uh, one is La Plume de Matante. <laughs> and the other is where, when the doctor says to the mum that she's been saying, like, uh, that she's been saying some foul things. <laughs> and the mum asks what, and he's just like, she said to get your fingers away from my cunt, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And then they both do, like, a little, like, giggle about it, uh, which yeah. I think is a nice little touch. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think just her being a sassy foul mouth is just like my favorite. Just like, like shove cocks and cunts and uh, you're all going to hell. <laughs> you faggot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you don't see. Uh, I just love it so much. Um, what was your best death? Uh, I guess out of process of elimination, because we don't see that many deaths, we just no. hear about a lot of them, uh, is the priest through the window at the end. Yeah, has um, to be. I can't think what else. With the candlestick be. in the ballroom. Yes, right. Um, I guess the worst death... There's, like, there's not many deaths. I mean, there's three, is there? There's like... Burke, Burke and Marin. So, I, I put Burke slash Marin, but... Yeah, I mean... I, I think maybe Marin's is more disappointing... Just because we don't, just see, don't what see what happens. Just At least we know it. what happened to Burke, which is the, because we don't need to see that because then we see what happens to yeah. the priest at the end, which is the same thing, essentially. Um, but yeah, we don't know what happened to Marin. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Um, and the queerest moment? Queerest moment is uh, the the lieutenant desperately trying to uh, get the uh, the priest to go and see whether he likes with him at the end, and then settling for a lunch date oh, instead. come on, you silly Billy, let's go for lunch. What's your queerest moment? Yeah, that. I mean, just really worried you were going to say when she sticks him on. Ah, shut up! That's... <laughs> 
You, that's what you were thinking. Um, uh, coming on to sexiest. Sexiest character. Oh, sexiest character. So we both agreed that this is quite an ugly film. <laughs> it is an ugly film. It's full of uggers. Um, the, I actually think the, the guy in Iraq with the glassy eye at the beginning was very, <gasps> was very handsome. I'm not sure I'd say sexy, but he's handsome. And I'd maybe say he was the the least unattractive character in the film. <laughs> yeah, there are no like standout lookers really. No. I mean I guess the mum is like beautiful in a very way that was of its time, but she's I, not sexy. I quite and, like her style. Yeah, and she's got like sort of mushroom hair that I had during the first <laughs> lockdown. Um which I, again I find quite triggering. <laughs> <laughs> um yes. That's, that's like, I, I honestly, I think that on like previous watches, I did think that Doctor Karras was hot, which is so Doctor <laughs> Karras. Pre, uh, is he a doctor? Father. He might be a doctor. Doctor well. Father. Doctor Father Karras. Yeah. Well, um, um, yeah. Uh, was hot, but this time not at all. Mm. Um, there was even like a bit where he's running in some grey sweatpants, and I was just like, yeah, I'm trying to make myself find this sexy, and I just don't. <laughs> Um, nice, gross. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but he made the ultimate sacrifice. He did, which is so sexy. <laughs> I love it when people take in my devil and jump out. <laughs> so hot. That's how I end every day. Um, <laughs> Lunch day. <laughs> out the window. Bye. <laughs> Ghosted again. Um, <laughs> uh, the yes. So. Uh, shall we oh we need to do a song for the awards but we didn't do it it. but we can do it for the pumpkins okay um pumpkin 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 what are you I doing? I was trying to do Jubilee Valley. Pumpkin, 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 have you seen uh, Kim Cattrall doing yes. stats? Yes, I knew you were going to say that. God. So like, embarrassing. And the doobly doobly the, the doobly doobly <laughs> So That's cringy. the most haunting that film. That is the most haunting. <laughs> um, uh, so back back to the pumpkin. 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 Start doing the bill or something now. <laughs> anyway, how many pumpkins? How many pumpkins? Uh, well, I think that we've discussed how. I liked what you said. What was the kind of phrase you used? That it kind of like it diminishes does, on every viewing. Yes, the power diminishes on ah, every yes. viewing. Oh, I'm quite the poet, aren't uh, I? I thought, wow, you are a smart egg. Thank you, um, poet laureate. A parallel. <laughs> um, uh, and I think that's true, and but I feel very reluctant. It's power diminishes. Each episode, So I, I feel very like it's, it's almost sacrilegious to give it a low score um, because of its previous power mm. and its cult status, which I agree with. Um, so, yeah, I, I, despite the fact that I've been a bit of a Debbie Downer about it. I, I don't disagree with its reputation and its acclaim. I just think I've maybe seen it enough now. 
Yeah, yeah. That, uh, yes, I think that's... Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think that's right, actually. That's the right way to look at it. It's just like we've seen it too many times now. That's mm. like the end of it now. Yeah. Um, um, like, maybe let's watch it again in like 15 years. In the nursing home. Yes. Um, uh, I'll come and visit you in the nursing home. Ah! <laughs> um, so, so, okay. I'm, gonna say, I'm just going to give it a four. Um, there. The okay. I, I was thinking four. I think... Uh, if it was the first time I was watching it, four or four and a half, I imagine. For now, I'll say three and a half pumpkins. Sure, um, sure. It's it, it's a bit of a slog, and I have to recognise that my attention span is not as great as it once was. <laughs> Little goldfish. <laughs> yes. Um, um, but I love it. I think it's great and iconic and has so many brilliant moments. But I uh, don't need to see it again for a while, a long while. Fair, 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 fair. It's time for the spooky bit. So I decided instead of talking about an exorcism, because I think we've spoken a lot about exorcisms in the past and, and general hauntings of young women, <laughs> um, I'd instead focus more on uh, Pazuzu. Um, so, uh, but also not. So Pazuzu <gasps> is based on a spirit slash god from ancient Mesopotamia, um, which uh, is a historic region that uh, included modern-day Iraq, parts of Turkey, Iran, uh, Syria, and Kuwait. Um, but the exorcist Pazuzu is only really Pazuzu in name, uh, because Pazuzu, although enacting evil, was largely a protective force against evil spirits, rather than being malevolent itself. Um, and you said there was a lie. Yeah, there was um, one of the kind of uh, excavation people, like uh, Iraqi locals, was like when he uncovered that, went like, evil against evil. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, so, um, however much like in The Exorcist, uh, the ancient Mesopotamians believed that a deity's likeness was an embodiment of the god itself. Which is why there was a prominence of like statues and amulets and that sort of thing. So, um, so you would have, you would have them in your home to protect them from evil spirits because they I have one in my room. Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so most of the deities uh, within that sort of religion um, were benign, but or benevolent, I should say, not but ten, but ten, but eleven. But uh, I've decided to give you a brief rundown of my four favourite Mesopotamian monsters or evil spirits. Oh, I love that for us. Thank Please. you. Um, which doesn't include Pazuzu, but there is mention of him in one of them. Thank you. Um, so, <clears throat> in at number four Woo! is Anzu, um, who is a giant-headed bird or a lion-headed eagle who uh, was um, conceived uh, by underground pure water lakes. Okay. Yeah. Um, as with most mythology and religion, especially since the law of Mesopotamia covers like four millennia, um, there are lots of versions uh, of each deity and monster, so there's lots of conflicting sort of uh, mythology around them. Uh, so in some stories, Anzu is a deity associated with cosmogony, which if I'm not mistaken Is that like misogyny but for stars <laughs> <laughs> exactly i think cosmogony is about the creation of the world how the world came oh. to being um 
And the reason I know that is because Bjork has a song called Cosmogony. Which oh, is about okay. How the world was created. Um, and uh, in others, uh, Anzu is a, a demon with a saw like beak uh, whose wings have the power to cause storms. Um, in one story, Anzu steals the Tablet of Destinies, no. which sounds very Zelda. Does um, which is a clay tablet, uh, which is also like a legal document proclaiming the, the god Enlin or Elil as ruler of the universe. And Anzu steals the tablet and hides it at the top of a mountain. Oh, no one will find it there. No, exactly. Easy. Uh, in at number three is Basmu. Oh, Basmu. Um, Basmu is a horned snake with two forelegs and wings. Although I would argue that the most distinct thing about snakes is that they don't have any legs. So I'd argue that he might not have been a snake. He was um, sort of lizard. Like a lizard, yes. <laughs> um, unlike Anzu, who was created in fresh waters, Basmu was created in the sea. Um, and was apparently 60 double miles long. Double miles? What, 120 miles, question <laughs> mark? <laughs> I don't know what that means. I love it. Um, so Anzu's diet comprised of fish... Birds, asses, and men. Ooh, <laughs> the asses of men. <laughs> um, it also had six mouths. <gasps> For all the better for eating those asses. Yes, and, <laughs> and seven tongues. Oh! Which begs the question, which mouth had two tongues? <laughs> um, the best it, mouth. And then, it, so, because this description of it comes from, like, I, I don't know if it comes from, like, an engraving, it's incomplete, so there's one word that they don't know what it is, so they just left it blank. And it's like, and seven blank on its belly. Ooh. Nipples? All the Hairs. Suckling on. <laughs> More mouths. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows, anyway. So I think maybe, uh, despite putting this in at number two, uh, this might be my favourite. So in at number two is Lamushtu. And just to any Mesopotamians listening. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, I, my apologies if I've butchered these pronunciations. Um, so, uh, uh, Lamastu sounds like a very handsome lady. Um, she had a hairy body. She had the head of a lion, but with donkey ears and donkey teeth. Oh. Um, she had long fingers and fingernails and sharply taloned bird feet. Uh, her depiction is often of her standing or kneeling on a donkey. And breastfeeding a pig or a dog. I've actually, I think I've seen a depiction of her actually. I, that rings I might a bell. just sound like the kind of thing you would have seen. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my aunt um, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> In Mesopotamian mythology, uh, there was less of a clear binary between good and evil, um, and most malevolent beings acted so on the instruction from the gods. Um, uh, Lamastu is. Uh, is an exception. She needed no such instruction and was evil of her own accord. Wow. Um, so she was known uh, uh, and feared for killing children, uh, killing babies in the womb, harming mothers and pregnant women, eating men and drinking their blood, infesting rivers and lakes, causing disease and death, and also, perhaps most unforgivably, disturbing sleep. Oh, what a bitch. <laughs> so... Um, this is the interesting thing about Pazuzu, because her biggest rival was Pazuzu, who was regularly invoked to protect pregnant women and babies oh. from uh, Lamastu, um, which is why I, th I wanted to kind of say at the beginning, when you were saying someone had a miscarriage during the film, I was like, <gasps> um, foreshadowing. foreshadowing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so pregnant women would have like amulets or statues under the bed or next to the bed oh. um, to protect them from. Um, yes, exactly. 
luckily, as well as uh, Pazuzu uh, being raring to protect, <laughs> there's also a little uh, incantation uh, against Lamasthu, um, which goes as follows. Great is the daughter of heaven who tortures babies. Her hand is a net. Her embrace is death. She is cruel, raging, angry, predatory. A runner. A thief is the daughter of heaven. She touches the bellies of women in labour. She pulls out the pregnant woman's baby. The daughter of heaven is one of the gods, her brothers with no child of her own. Her head is a lion's head. Her body is a donkey's body. She roars like a lion. She constantly howls like a demon dog. Oh! Yeah, I imagine that's a... I don't know how that's an incantation against uh, Lamas Thu. She sounds iconic. Yeah! <laughs> but, um, I imagine Come that's through, a... Come through, Lamas that, That's a translation. Sure. <laughs> um, so, in at number one... Woo! Uh, ...is Humbaba. Um, so, while not nearly as interesting as Lamas Thu, uh, Humbaba pits her to the top spot uh, because of the description of his face, which made me laugh out loud. Ah! Um, so, apparently, his face resembled the entrails of sacrificial animals. Oh, God. <laughs> Sounds like something mean someone would say to yeah. you. Oh, I wouldn't. <laughs> oh, he's disgusting. His face looks like. Uh, Bagger entrails. The, the, the entrails of sacrificial animals. <laughs> <laughs> like a bucket of crabs. <laughs> um, so, uh, <clears throat> apparently, his face is like big bloody guts. Um, oh, and in other descriptions, it says that his though. face is a single coiling line, like animal or human intestines, um, and omens, bad omens, can be read from the oh, coil of his face. Oh wow, that's so, quite cool. Yeah. So as well, that's why he's number one. It's gross, but cool. Yeah. So as well as his beautiful face, he had the paws of a lion. Uh, his skin, <laughs> I mean, like paws, like oh, terrible skin, <laughs> oh, gaping paws, paws clogged in his, in his dull, face. lifeless skin. <laughs> um, his skin was covered in thorny scales, and he had vulture-like talons. He also had uh, bull forms, thorns, bull horns, <laughs> bull forms. <laughs> <laughs> he had the thorn. No, ah! the form of a bull. <laughs> a real brush. The <laughs> He had bull horns. Bull horns. Um, and he also had a snake's head on the tip of his tail and on the tip of his penis. Oh, okay. Yeah, just in case. And just in case. <laughs> just in case he got tired of just kissing his face. <laughs> He coiled his intestine face. Gut face! His roar was like a flood, his breath like fire. Huh? But in other accounts, he was a beloved king of the animals. Of um, course, of course. So, uh, uh, yeah. Has anyone ever described your face as looking like uh, uh, the entrails of a sacrificial animal? Every day. <laughs> I live with that pain. <laughs> Still not as shady as having this sloping neckline of a Cluedo piece. That's what someone said to me once. It haunts me. <laughs> someone so... said I look like... Someone once said about me, I don't, I don't get what the fuss is. Um, they look like lies of a fucking Nelly. <laughs> and I was like, circa when? <laughs> That was my ex, everyone. <laughs> yes. Ah, uh, the things that stick with us. Like little, little daggers in our entrail faces. <laughs> you're enjoying bloody mary's please subscribe like and review on whichever platform you listen to us on and share with your friends you can follow us on instagram at bloody mary's podcast and that is mary's with a z um and you can also find a link to our spooky spotify playlist there as well 
Uh, our theme tune is by Pink Pound, and you can follow them on Instagram at Pink Pound Sound.